Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. Uh, Rick, okay, lot, lot, lot to talk about. Uh, but first of all, can we just d- dispense with something? We, Nikki Haley, I wow. mean, this kind of caught a lot of us by surprise. Yeah. Um, she announced that she's resigning. But not now. I mean, not till the end of the year. But she announced now she had the president there and... You know, I mean, a lot of people thought Nikki Haley was somebody maybe wrote that anonymous op-ed. She denied that. I don't think she was at all. We were timing right before the midterms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right after Kavanaugh. So so could she possibly run for president in 2020? For all of you that are going to ask about 2020, no, I'm not running for 2020. I can promise you what I'll be doing is campaigning for this one. So I look forward to supporting the president in the next election. Wow, you had that right on. I mean, that was that Trevor? (laughs) <laughs> it was Trevor, and it was... How Nikki do they Haley. anticipate the questions before we even ask them? That's how good they are in the Trump White House right now. That was Nikki Haley answering a question that was not asked because she knew it would be asked, and of course it was asked, and it's still going to be asked because Nikki Haley leaving is just a strange thing. It does not fit Why'd at you all leave, Rick? What's moment? the story? Come on, it's just, just you, you know, you're the political director at ABC. You know this stuff. Ah, you know, I just... I'm just I'm just working here. What, well, there's what, all what, these theories. Maybe you know, does she does she does she run somewhere else on a ticket at some point? Does she slide into the Senate if uh, if if Lindsey Graham goes to AG? I think the most plausible Lindsey one, Graham's not going to be the attorney no, no, general. No, I think is he? I think the most plausible explanation is she wants to make some money and she wants to preserve. They don't her, pay the UN ambassador not, not enough to real, get... real money now, John. Like Trump money, almost maybe not. But I think this is about preserving her political identity, John. How many <laughs> Trump officials can you say? That they are enhanced by their association with this president. It's actually well, a really hard thing um, to say. Um, there's no uh, people wait. in the Trump orbit who are better there's, for these guys. Maybe Rick Perry over at the, uh, at the energy Perry, department yeah. might be on the list. But there's a lot of people. I mean, there's a bunch of Trump associates who are in jail or maybe headed to jail. There are a lot who are just politically kind of shattered people, like Jeff Sessions. And then there's Nikki Haley, who comes out of this with a whole lot of foreign policy experience, uh, in addition to her time as governor, uh, and still quite young, could could wait a, a whole lot of years and still be politically viable, when it's, whether it's 2020, 2024, or well beyond. 2028? How's that 2028? Yeah, that's, that's we'll, good. We'll that's work good. on our short list um, for that. So that, uh, you know, I, I will say I, I tend to be a little less cynical than you on a lot of this stuff, and... Um, you know, she's leaving at the end of the year. That's two years as the U.S. ambassador. That's not a hasty exit. This isn't sure. the case of somebody that was, you know, pushed out or left. And as you point out, she she came in. Her reputation is intact. In fact, it is actually enhanced. Um, she, uh, you know, won high marks for her time at, at, at the U.N., which is not an easy task yeah. with a uh, – you know, a president that can set things off with a single tweet and does. Trump just got booed there two weeks ago. Yeah, and 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 he. So I, you know, she's she's done a good. I, I thought it was kind of interesting, though. Uh, the president said that that uh, she first raised this, said she wanted to leave, told him six months ago. Six months ago, you mm-hmm. know, six months ago was when she came out and talked about the Russian sanctions being uh, being a done deal, and then it turned out they weren't a done deal. And the White House said that she was confused, mm. and she came out and said, "I'm not confused about anything." Uh, there had been a change, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. six months. Was it was it on that day? I mean, that was almost exactly yeah. that was on that was the middle of April. It was almost exactly six months ago. Yeah, it, it is interesting, and it come you know coming that the letter was dated uh, a week ago, right in the middle of Kavanaugh mania, when that all hung in the balance. Wow. And so the timing of this certainly is suspect. Again, four weeks before the midterms, uh, the, the most prominent, perhaps, woman in the Trump administration, uh, in, in a cabinet level position. 
uh, leaving under these circumstances at this time. It's all pretty curious uh, because the election season is on right now. We're four weeks out, John, and it, it seems like we took like a three-week Kavanaugh break from midterm campaigning. Now we're back. The president is out. We've got four rallies this week alone. We've got a bunch of 2020 candidates out there. The, the race is on on the airwaves and beyond. And it's not like you just pick up where we were pre-Kavanaugh. It's a different landscape. These last three weeks have, have changed a lot of expectations and maybe recalibrated some calculations. I mean, before Kavanaugh, you and I were sitting here talking about how the, the ground had really shifted against the Republicans. It was already bad and it had gotten worse. Right. We were looking at a generic ballot that was about 11 or 12 point lead for the Democrats. We were looking at uh, the fact that the Democrats had vastly outvoted the Republicans in the primaries uh, uh, for, for these midterms. Uh, we had looked at a presidential approval rating that would suggest a, a, a really bad midterm uh, for Republicans. And now there's a sense that uh, that things have changed. And the biggest change has not really been in any of that, although the generic ballot seems to have have have, uh, have, have tightened a bit, but in enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was roughly about a 10, 12-point uh, enthusiasm gap for for Republicans. In other words, uh, you had in, in various surveys, and there are d- different ways of doing this, you know, like 80% of, uh, of Democratic voters saying, we're going to vote. Now, by the way, no, it never ends up sure. being that high. But, but, but uh, And then... Uh, with the um, uh, uh, Republicans it being in, in the 60s. And now it seems like that's narrowed. Republicans are now energized. Yeah. Now, does so that last? I, I mean, we only have like, was it how many more days? 27. I, 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 look, I, I think there's an element of this that has been overstated perhaps by people who are wishfully thinking that the Republicans solve their problems. Mitch McConnell is out there thanking the angry mob for uniting Republicans. Yes, Republicans remembered why they're Republicans, whether they're pro-Trump or anti-Trump. And you saw it and Kavanaugh became... Uh, a, a chant at a Trump rally. And, and the idea of confirming Kavanaugh is something that Republicans are going to talk about. But I'll tell you, I am not convinced that the party that won here wins politically because getting angry about a result actually has more staying power than being happy about something that just happened. And I we're watching this happen, particularly in House races, where Democrats are even more motivated. They've got an extra little little push here. Whether this is a sugar high for Republicans or whether it lasts the next 27 days or whether, just as likely, John, we're talking about something entirely different for the next four weeks, that's going to be determined. The president has made a calculation here and he decided to, to really own this Kavanaugh thing, make it into a defining issue, joust against what he's calling the angry mob of, of Democrats. Uh, uh, maybe it works. Well, the president's going to be out there a lot. He's out there a lot. Uh, uh, you know, these rallies, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's like it's almost every day. Yeah. Uh, on, on Tuesday, I mean, I'm a little worried. I mean, he, the way he was describing what would happen if the Democrats take control, take a listen. If Democrats take control, they will try to reverse our amazing progress and plunge our country into gridlock, frankly, into poverty, ultimately into chaos. That's what's going to happen. Wow. So so we're going to be plunged into gridlock. And if you've ever been plunged into gridlock, Rick, <laughs> uh, uh, frankly, into poverty, into chaos. Um, but but some but the way the president and, and, and you know, he does have a, he tends to 
he tends to sometimes exaggerate it's things, a little bit, but uh, um, uh, but but he is painting a very very dark picture of what would happen if the Democrats get control. Yeah, and and I think that that is what they're going to have to run against now in this in this closing couple of weeks. Uh, this has been a year of Democratic enthusiasm, of Democratic engagement. Uh, it is it, one of the fascinating offshoots of all of this, and our, our friends at Five Thirty Eight have done some of this work is to to show how. The, the, the Democrats are just as likely as they were a couple of weeks ago to take over the House, but their chances in the Senate have gone down significantly. And a lot of that is driven, maybe all of that is driven by these red state senators, Heidi Heitkamp. Uh, in North we should Dakota. talk to one of these Republican yeah, candidates in, in one of these red that'd states. Be a good booking. Let's try to make that happen. Maybe, maybe even yeah. in this show. Should we do it? Should let's, we do get, uh, let's do what we can. Yeah. Who, who's running against McCaskill again in, in Missouri? His name is Josh Hawley, the state attorney general. We'll, we'll see. That could be a good a guy to get. We... Stuff. He's on a bus today. We'll see if we can get him from, uh, from the bus. Okay. This, this is a this is a big storyline because we we knew going into the year this was just a brutal map for Democrats. There's just no no op- opportunities for offense, and they're playing defense any everywhere. Ten states where President Trump won, and they had a Democrat up, including a couple like Missouri, like North Dakota, like Montana, like West Virginia, where they were blowouts. President Trump is wildly popular, remains popular to this day. So running against that in the wake of Kavanaugh, where most of these Democrats, the exception of Joe Manchin, just voted against Kavanaugh, stood with Chuck Schumer on the floor of the Senate and Kamala Harris and Cory Booker and the, and, and the Democrats uh, in, in opposing Kavanaugh in what became just an unseemly uh, couple of weeks of a, of a sideshow. It's not good for their prospect, you would think. But then the big but is that we know that there's Democratic engagement in this in this time and you need Huge. to fire Huge. up I mean, that the base. money, uh, the, like, like we mentioned, the, uh, the, the turnout in, in, the, in primaries. the primaries. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of question of like the, the, the tactics used, you know, the, the 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 charging the Supreme Court, literally banging on the front door of the Supreme Court. Um, it's been, you know, so, so, you know, some are saying we should go after Republicans where they eat, where they sleep, everywhere. Um, and then you've got others saying, "How about a little civility? Can't mm-hmm. we get back to some civility?" And I did you catch this interview that Hillary Clinton did. Remember Hillary Clinton? She was the Democratic nominee last time around. She did an interview with Christian Amanpour on, on CNN. And well, listen to what she said about this idea of civility. I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. But until then, the only thing that the Republicans seem to recognize and respect is strength. Wait, so the line is, don't be civil until we win? That's right. That seems like a... How do you, you put that on a camp bumper sticker, or how do you do that? Well, What's it's the, interesting, to my mind. No civility until we win, and then we'll be civil. One of the takeaways of Kavanaugh that, that's been floating out there a little bit is that you know Republicans uh, won, won this fight, and one of the reasons they did it is because Democrats were playing too nice. This didn't feel like Democrats playing nice to me. I mean, this was... Literally up to including Michael Avenatti and, and, and the, yeah. every tactic they could use. And look, we don't know. We still don't know. Despite what the president says, he wasn't proven innocent. We don't know what actually happened here. But they, we can say, I think, pretty fairly that the Democrats tried everything they could to keep Brett Kavanaugh for the Supreme Court. And they fell, they fell short. The question of civility um, is, is one now that the, President Trump, weirdly, oddly, is able to run against the Democrats on. I mean – I, I don't feel like President Trump's going to win any civility prizes for his political rhetoric. But if he's able to paint the Democrats into an angry mob of uh, of, of left wing extremists who want to plunge the the country with, into with chaos, mal- I'm trying to figure out with malice towards none <laughs> until after we win the election, until after charity until for later. all, but not until we. 
I'm trying to. There, yeah. A lot of that is how he how he got his base engaged in 2016, and and whether it's the anti-immigrant or the anti-Muslim, the deplorable, the deplorables running against that, or just as Republicans are now running against the Nancy Pelosi liberal agenda or the Chuck Schumer Nancy Pelosi agenda, it all adds up to a potential talking point for the Republicans to say, look, Could, look what they're trying to take away from what what we have done, what we have accomplished. This is why you have to go vote. Can I play another exchange? And I'm just really. Mostly because I found it odd, uh, and I don't really know what to make of it, and you're the expert, so maybe you can help me understand. But this is another exchange between Christian Amanpour and, and Hillary Clinton. They're, 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 they're talking about uh, the, the, the ceremony at the White House about Kavanaugh, but, but that's not what I'm, why I'm playing this. It, it, it's this little, like, they take a little bit of a detour into the, uh, the, the women vote. Uh, can you just, just let, let's play, let me know what you think. What do you make of that? And what message, including the president's mocking of Christine Blasey Ford for her allegations, what message does that send to women? And remember, women went for President Trump white in women. 2016. White women. White women. All women went for me. And look, white women have been uh, voting against Democratic presidential candidates for uh, decades now. Uh, the white vote has only been one twice in the last um, 60 years, so, uh, my uh, husband uh, being uh, one of the two, uh, Lyndon Johnson being yeah, so, so, so anyway, I, so, I mean, this goes on, but I, but I, just a couple of things struck out. First of all, just seeing Christiane say uh, women went for President Trump in 2016. The only person I've ever heard say that is Donald Trump. <laughs> It's not. It's not true. <laughs> it's not true. So, so Hillary Clinton stated the fact here, which white is that women white women he did, he did win women overall women. did not. It, it, but 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 then she said, and and this is a quote. This is a quote, and I, and I know the facts are correct. I just I've never heard a, a a political figure talk like this. White women have been voting against Democratic presidential candidates for decades now. Why did why is she saying that? A she's right. Uh, okay. B, it isn't normally said. And C, that, that's actually – I think it, it deserves some reflection from, say, white female candidates like Hillary Clinton as to why that's the case. The, the Democrats still have a big national messaging problem. And I think you see that play out in these very red states now that you don't want to see if you are Claire McCaskill in Missouri or Heidi Heitkamp in North Dakota. They have a big problem with – the 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 democratic agenda that emanates from Washington they can't sell that agenda there's some areas where they're finding agreement particularly on health care right now but they're having a very hard time explaining why they would enact that agenda that's a big problem for the democratic party that president trump has not solved for them even with the unity and the excitement the engagement that it's brought uh, president trump has a big base of support uh, and i think when we talk about the the gender gap i think we have and to he's also got a big pocket of resistance no, i mean it's things. like you know both of those things of course uh the, the 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 racial gap that president trump is able to play to here and republicans are able to exploit uh remains a very strong one whether that's among women or men that uh, and you saw it play out with kavanaugh as well that where you stood on kavanaugh had to do with your politics more than anything else and you know what people of color were actually not divided on the question of kavanaugh um, white people were and in uh, gender broke it down along party lines as well. And to my mind, it's something that the Democrats haven't be, even begun to, to grapple with is why this message that they've that they've been putting out at the national uh, at the national level just does not sell with a large, large chunk of the electorate. Well, uh, Rick, I think we do need to take a break. Uh, but you, you promised me we're going to get 
we're going to get a, a Republican Senate candidate in one of these red states on the phone. Is that right? Let's do it. Okay, we'll be back in a minute. You see headlines across your screen all day, but you're busy. What do you need to know? What's actually shaping your world? I'm Brad Milkey from ABC News, and every morning we start here. It was extraordinary for us watching here in Singapore. This is ABC's new daily podcast, a handful of stories, just 20 minutes. Director Comey, thanks for being with us. Newsmakers, smart reporting, taking you straight to the heart of the story. Start here. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Welcome back to Powerhouse Politics. We are joined right now. Thanks. Rick actually pulled this off with with an assist from Trevor Hastings. We have Josh Hawley, uh, the Attorney General of Missouri, uh, Senate candidate running against Claire McCaskill. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So um, you are uh, famously uh, one of these uh, Republicans trying to knock off a uh, Democratic incumbent in a state that voted overwhelmingly for Donald Trump. And where, by all indications, President Trump's still pretty popular. Um, tell me, have you seen a significant shift in, in your race and what you're hearing on the ground and what you're seeing uh, as, as a result of what we've uh, seen go down with, uh, with the Kavanaugh nomination? Yes, I, I, it is, there's a noticeable, I think, change in atmosphere here in the state and a noticeable surge in enthusiasm uh, among Republican voters, but also, I would say, a notable, noticeable surge in anger among all voters. In my state, uh, people just cannot believe what happened with the Kavanaugh process. They can't believe the games that Senate Democrats played, uh, the way that they attempted to smear Judge Kavanaugh, now Justice Kavanaugh, what they did to Dr. Ford, I mean, treating her as collateral damage, essentially, in order to try and take down uh, Judge Kavanaugh, Justice Kavanaugh, and it, it has really, really energized folks, and uh, I get asked about it at every stop every day. So I want to ask you, you, you you've been, and I believe you have a, 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 fundraise, uh, a fundraising um, message out on this right now, raising the possibility, I mean, not the possibility, you're saying it will happen, that if, 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 if you lose the race, Democrats will have more power to impeach uh, Supreme Court justices, that this is quoting directly from your from your, your one of your latest fundraising uh, messages, do you, wh- why are you saying that? I, I I've been asking around a lot here in Washington. I don't see any evidence that the Democrats are actually going to move to and to impeach Justice Kavanaugh. Where, 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 where are you getting this from? Well, forty House Democrats have already put their names to a letter saying that they want to begin impeachment proceedings. Nancy Pelosi has said that the investigation into Justice Kavanaugh needs to go on and needs to gather more information uh, so that they can be ready to proceed. Uh, Senator Harris. Uh, now, now, wait a minute. Harris. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is not talking about impeaching Justice Kavanaugh. She's also emphatically oh, she uh, said that. It, that it, it, I mean, she's, she's got 40 members of her own caucus who have put their name to a letter saying they are going to do it. She has, she has said that she's totally open to this. She wants the nomination. She wants the investigations to proceed. You've got Senator Kamala Harris, who when asked about it directly over the weekend, said that she was open to it. I mean, of course, these Democrats who are the Senate Democrats are trying to mind their P's and Q's because they realize just what an extreme position they've gotten themselves into. But it's very clear where their party is at. And, of course, the House would need to begin this. So it's clear where the House Democrats are out that are at. The House Democrats are poised uh, to take back that chamber and uh, may well take back the Senate. And, of course, we know that Senator McCaskill is with her party every single time it matters. I mean, when was the last time she stood up to her party? Never on an issue of consequence. And that's why this race is so important. 
General Hawley, I want to ask about uh, the, the issue of health care, because you're part of a, a lawsuit that originated out of the state of Texas, a number of state attorney general who were uh, seeking to invalidate all of Obamacare uh, because the because part of it has already been been repealed, uh, particularly the individual mandate. I, I know a lot of this debate has centered on the issue of pre-existing conditions. Your understanding, though, what would the outcome be if your law if your lawsuit was successful? Wouldn't the protection against pre-existing conditions be gone if your lawsuit was successful? Well, the lawsuit is about repealing Obamacare. It's about doing what Republicans have said that they were going to do for for years and years now, which is to repeal and replace Obamacare. And the real question on pre-existing conditions is, are the Democrats and Claire McCaskill going to hold folks with pre-existing conditions hostage to Obamacare? Because everybody wants to protect people with pre-existing conditions, at least I do. But the question is, do we have to have Obamacare to do it? I think the answer to that question is no. And the voters know that the answer to that question is no. What's, what's so disappointing is Senator McCaskill refuses to cross the aisle to work with folks of the opposite party to get pre-existing conditions coverage for people apart from Obamacare. It's really just all about Obamacare to them. And I don't believe patients should be held hostage because I can tell you, gentlemen, in my state, premiums are up 145 percent in the state of Missouri between 2013 and 2017 alone. That's not that is not something Missourians can afford. But Obamacare did include those pre- the, the, the protection against pre-existing conditions. If Obamacare goes away, doesn't that protection go away? Well, you don't have to have Obamacare to have the, the pre-existing conditions coverage. That's the whole point. You can enact pre-existing conditions coverage apart from Obamacare. Why should patients be held hostage to Obamacare? Why should I mean, here's what Claire McCaskill should answer. Why should folks in my state, why should a woman who I recently talked to who is paying $1,500 in premium prices, $1,500, because she has to buy her insurance on the individual market where prices are up 145% in Missouri. She has a pre-existing condition. She's been struggling with cancer. She's had to change her insurance for the last six years. Why is any of that necessary? Why should she be held hostage to the failures of Obamacare when we can pass pre-existing conditions coverage apart from Obamacare? I just don't understand it. It all just comes down to partisan politics and the fact that Democrats and Claire McCaskill want Obamacare defended at all costs the pre-existing conditions piece of it, they don't, they're not interested in it apart from Obamacare. But as you know, Republicans have, have controlled Congress and now the White House for the last two years, longer than that for, for Congress, and there hasn't been a standalone protection against pre-existing conditions. What, so if it goes away, it goes away, right? Listen, Republicans have vowed to repeal and replace Obamacare. There's a reason that that hasn't happened yet. It's because it takes, it, it takes a, a, a filibuster-proof majority to get it done. Democrats won't cross the aisle and Claire McCaskill won't cross the aisle. I mean, the Democrats are and Claire McCaskill are intent on protecting Obamacare at any cost. And if that means that families in my state have to get a second job, send a spouse back to work. And those aren't hypotheticals, by the way. I talk to families all the time for whom that is true. She's totally fine with that because she's more interested in protecting Barack Obama's political legacy than in actually protecting folks with pre-existing conditions. And that's just wrong. So, so you, you said that uh, you can't find a place that Claire McCaskill has distanced herself with uh, the Democrats. Uh, but, but let me ask you the, the flip side of that. Where, where do you differ with Donald Trump? Where can we expect you to go toe-to-toe with Donald Trump and say, no, I disagree, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to vote against you? You can expect me to be with the people of my state and the voters of my state defending the interests of my state every single time. And, you know, I think the President of the United States is doing a great job defending the interests of the people of Missouri. The state voted for him by almost 20 points. 
So I'm going to be with them, and I tell you what, so long as the president keeps doing a great job for the people of Missouri, I'm going to be with him. But at so, the end of the day, I'm going to stand up for my state. That's something Claire McCaskill will not do. So, so you see, you see nothing uh, right now to disagree with Donald Trump. But what about the, the tariffs that are hitting uh, soybean farmers right now in in Missouri? Other farmers in Missouri. Uh, what what about the way the president's approaching approaching that? I'm so glad you mentioned farmers because I'm on an ag tour today all across the state. I have the endorsement of the Missouri Farm Bureau and our leading commodities groups uh, with them right this second, as a matter of fact. And farmers are so pleased with the, the job that President Trump is doing. They gave him his margin here in the state of Missouri. I've had multiple farmers today alone tell me that they are so excited about the new trade deal with Mexico, the new trade deal with Canada, and they're glad he's out there standing up to the trade cheaters like China who've been raising a trade war on this country for years. You know, we're in a trade war. We didn't start it. Our farmers started, as heck didn't start it. But we need to win it. And uh, the president's out there trying to win it and get and uh, get better trade deals, and he's making good progress. Okay, so I, I want to ask you about a story that, that popped today. You, you were... Uh, doing a uh, an event with a with, with a group called uh, Wall Builders, a Texas organization run by a uh, a, a preacher who has said some 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 pretty uh, controversial things, to say the least, um, uh, about homosexuality. Even gone so far as to uh, compare uh, uh, LGBT activists to Nazis. Uh, you uh, have now canceled this event. Did you cancel this because of your your concern about this uh, this organization? My understanding is we couldn't make it fit with our schedule today. We're doing this ag tour all around the state. We've got multiple stops here, and uh, it's going great. Wait a minute. So you don't have concerns with the views expressed by uh, uh, the person that runs this uh, this organization? Uh, again, um, he is he he's called for federal regulation uh, on, on of homosexuals, and um, uh, he has uh, compared homosexual activists to uh, homosexual rights activists, to, uh, to Nazis? You don't have a problem with his views? Uh, I, don't, I don't know what he said, but I don't support discrimination against anybody on any basis. Do you, do you vet somebody like this when, when you're, when you're, when you're you know, doing an organization with, with a group like this? How, how, do you, how does that work? I, I can't speak to the logistics, but uh, all I can tell you is that uh, I don't support folks uh, who want to discriminate against others. And uh, that has been my consistent position always. One last question for you, uh, sir. Is, is it your view that the the country right now is winning the trade war, or is this going to be a painful proce- process for a lot of folks? As you know, you, you've got the, these endorsements, but there are a lot of farmers that are really worried about what this is going to mean in the short and the medium term uh, if you're talking about tariffs imposed in a, in a, big, in a big battle with China. Well, let me say that so long as as our farmers are the focus of retaliation by China, as they really are now, it is imperative that we stand by them. And uh, that's why I supported the president's aid aid package to farmers. I was so disappointed when Senator McCaskill uh, criticized the aid package as being about picking winners and losers. That was her phrase. You know, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to pick Missouri farmers and American farmers as the winners. And I want to pick the Chinese government as the loser. And that's what our policy should be. But, uh, you know, I think we've seen significant progress in this trade war started by China years and years ago. But we've seen significant progress. The deals with Canada and Mexico uh, are hugely important to Missouri farmers. Those are our two biggest trading partners in my state. Uh, The deal with the the EU to begin to open up their markets to soybeans, hugely important. The deal with South Korea. So I think we're making good progress. But I would urge the president to keep the pressure on 
and uh, to continue to hold these folks' feet to the fire, get good trade deals on fair terms. Uh, Attorney General Hawley, I want to thank you for taking time to talk to us. By the way, while uh, we were on uh, having this conversation, I understand you're on a bus um, uh, somewhere between uh, Harrisville and Rogersville, Missouri, so we appreciate you uh, calling us from the road. But our, our research team pulled up what you were talking about, this letter from dozens of uh, House Democrats. Uh, just just so we're clear, they don't exactly call for the impeachment of Kavanaugh, but they what, what they do say is that if an investigation reveals that he lied under oath, quote, the constitutionally prescribed remedy would be impeachment proceedings. Uh, so uh, they, they certainly invoke that possibility, but but they aren't outright calling for his impeachment. Um, but I want to thank you for joining us on Powerhouse Politics, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you again before Election Day. Thank you. Thank you. I do so, think it's interesting, John, the, the Kavanaugh uh, fallout. And you have you have one party in the Republican Party that's going to want to keep talking about this. Uh, I feel like on the Democratic side, they lived this, and it's sort of already incorporated. I think that you're going to have to, if you're the Republicans, you're seeing now you're going to have to whip up the anger and the outrage a bit to try to keep the intensity that was there for these uh, for this last couple of weeks. Yeah, and and and, and certainly a, a lot of Democrats want to want to move on, and some want to continue to fight. Uh, uh, this was this was a pretty intense fight, um, and uh, it's interesting. You know, one other uh, thing that I thought was just talking to him is is he does not have a place to to kind of disagree with Donald Trump. Yeah. And that's probably a smart strategy in a state that Trump carried by 20% and remains and remains popular, but it's interesting that you you know, you've got uh, a, a candidate who who attacks Claire McCaskill for by and large being with uh Democrats on virtually every issue and, and look she is uh and uh a Republican candidate that's you know, with uh, with the Republicans and everybody, now this is a red state, so we'll see how this plays out. And it is remarkable to think about the potential for a Senate that comes back without Bob Corker, without Jeff Flake, and with freshman senators that could be like Josh Hawley, who are going to owe their political futures to, um, Donald Trump. to Donald Trump. These and are Trump loyalists, which there are not the a lot of them right now in, in, in the Congress, and there could be a whole a new batch of them coming in. All right, that is all the time we have now uh, for Power Us Politics. I want to thank our, our first-rate award-winning team, uh, Trevor Hastings, uh, Avery Miller, Angie Yak. Uh, and for Rick Klein, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Yeah.